have talked over the last several weeks about thanks. So we're today, I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping up and concluding our series called Giving Thanks. The first part of the series, we took about, I think it was about five weeks or so, and we talked about giving. And then the second part of the series, we talked all about thanks. And today, I want to look at what will kill thankfulness in your life and in your family And then I want to talk about how we can foster thankfulness in your life and in your family. There are two things that are 100% guaranteed to kill thankfulness in your life. Number one is entitlement and number two is gluttony. Now, these are things that we don't like to talk about. I think one of the reasons we don't like to talk about this is these are both things that pretty much every one of us deals with, that we all struggle and wrestle with entitlement and gluttony on some level, in some way, shape, or form. This is pretty much, very much so, a a Western first world nation problem. We don't talk about entitlement and gluttony much because uh, most people have just accepted this as normal. This is just a normal thing in life. We are entitled and we are gluttonous. Now, We clearly don't walk around saying that, right? We hide it, we mask it, but we've just accepted it, that these are okay. Look at me. It's not okay. It is not okay. They are wrong. They both are sinful, and we have to deal with them. We must deal with them in our hearts. If we are going to be thankful people, with thankful families, that we are going to have to ensure that there is no room for entitlement or gluttony in our hearts. So number one, entitlement. This is the belief that I am deserving of privileges or special treatment. That's kind of the broad stroke of entitlement. This is seen in things like this. I want to give you a couple of just general examples Believing that I have a right to a specific wage simply because I am working, not because I have skills, qualifications, or education. That I am owed a specific wage because I work. There are those that believe that there should be doors of opportunity that should be open for them because of who their parents are, because of their race, because of their gender, because they have wealth. Or, and, because of what country they were born into. See, entitlement looks beyond what I have. If this represents what I have, entitlement looks beyond this, beyond what I have, to what I don't have. And it looks at it and says, that is my right to have that. That is owed to me. I deserve that. I should have it. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through to 32. We're going to read about five verses out of, out of this story. So this is the story of the prodigal son. If you're not familiar with the story of the prodigal son, I'm going to give you the highlight version. So there's a man, and he's got two sons. The younger son comes to him and says, I want my inheritance. The father gives him his inheritance And then he runs off and he spends it all. He wastes it all on what the Bible calls wild living. And he finds himself basically broke, busted, and disgusted. He's he's hired himself out as a slave 
to a pig farmer and he's feeding pigs. He is so hungry that he's looking at the pig slop thinking, I wish somebody would give me some of this to eat. And then he says, what am I doing with my life? My father's servants are treated far better than this. I'm just going to go home and I'm going to become a slave in my father's house because it's better than this. He goes home, the father sees him from a distance, and he runs to meet him, and he welcomes him back to the family, not as a slave or a servant, but as a son. The older brother became angry with the father because they threw a celebration for the younger son that ran off and wasted all of his inheritance. They threw this huge celebration for him and welcomed him home. And the older brother was upset because he was never rewarded for his continued faithfulness in the family. So that's the highlight version of the prodigal son. Look at verses 11 and 12. Jesus said, once there was a father with two sons. The younger son came to his father and said, Father, don't you think it's time to give me my share of your estate? So the father went ahead and distributed between the two sons their inheritance. See, if, you're, if we were to read this story through line by line, verse upon verse, we'd quickly see that what we have here is a wealthy family. We know they're wealthy because there was, number one, there was an inheritance. If you're not wealthy, if you're poor, there's nothing to inherit. We also know from the story that they're wealthy because they have servants. So they, uh, they are, uh, they're a wealthy family because there's inheritance to be split. They have servants. And then at the end of the story, they have the ability to throw a huge celebration at a moment's notice. This family is doing all right. The son who asked for the inheritance had everything that he could possibly want in life. And he looked at his life and he said, this is not enough. He says to his father, Give me my share of your estate. Whose estate was it? It was the father's. It was the father's estate. The son looked at what his father had built. He looked at what his father had worked for. He looked at what his father had earned and had created for his family. And he looked at it and he said, I want that. Where's mine? I want my share. Which wasn't actually his share at all. An inheritance is only given after a person has died. So in this moment, the son approaches the father to ask for his inheritance, which he didn't have a right to ask for, and had the audacity to say, I want my share of your inheritance. Entitlement will cause you to look at what you have with contempt. See, the son disregarded everything that he had, everything that he had access to, and he said, I want what you have. It wants what you don't have and what's not yours and believes that it is your right to have it. See, the son wasn't thankful for what he had because entitlement had taken hold of his heart. Because you can't be entitled and thankful at the same time. See, entitlement kills thanksgiving. You can't be genuinely thankful for what you have in your life if you believe it is your right to have it. That no matter what the situation or circumstance, this is mine and it is my right that I have it. How can I be thankful for what I believe is my right? So I want to show you this morning everything that you are entitled to in this life. Right there is a complete list of everything that you are entitled to in this life. 
One through seven, you have access to that all, and that is yours to have. Nothing. You and I are entitled to nothing in this life. We enter this world the same way that we leave this world, with nothing. Everything that we have in between the moment of our birth and the moment of our death comes to us from the love, the grace, the mercy, and kindness of God. We are entitled to nothing. I have no right to the love of God, His mercy or His grace. I'm not even entitled to His forgiveness. I'm not owed a place of, uh, in, in His family. Jesus is not obligated to heal me, deliver me, or open doors for me. He isn't required to provide for me or all of my needs. Everything in my life comes to me out of the goodness of God. I don't deserve it. God owes us, God does not owe us anything. We owe him everything. Everything. We have to deal with the entitlement if, if, that we feel if we are going to be thankful people. See, that root of entitlement is pride. Pride is at the root. And the Bible says that God opposes the proud. See, when we deal with our entitlement by reminding ourselves that I am owed nothing in this life. This keeps me in a place of humility. It keeps me humble before the Father. And it keeps me thankful for everything that I have and everything that I have been given. We have to deal with the entitlement in our hearts. And then there's gluttony. Now listen, up front, this has nothing to do with a number on a scale. This has nothing to do with the size of jeans that you wear. What gluttony is, is the soul's addiction to excess. And it occurs when taste overrules hunger and when want outweighs need. So let's look back to the prodigal son story. If you still have your Bibles open, look at verse number 13. Verse number 13 says, uh, Shortly afterward, the younger son packed up all his belongings and traveled off to see the world. He journeyed to a far off land where he soon wasted all he was given in a binge of extravagant and reckless living. Now the Bible isn't explicit on what that is, on what the son did. Most translations, they will either call it wild or reckless living. But what we do know is that was, it was in excess. That it says that he went on a binge. And in the, in the Greek, that word that's, that's translated as reckless or wild has a tone of, of, of consuming alcohol in the excess. The son went on a binge. He went on this, this wild party and indulged himself in everything, restricted himself of nothing until all that he had was gone. See, when we consume in excess what was meant to be enjoyed in moderation, we have passed over into gluttony. Drinking wine is not bad. Drinking wine in excess is bad. What was created and given to us to be enjoyed in moderation, when we take that and we, we take it and we try and get more pleasure out of it than what it was created to give us, that's when we enter into gluttony. Gluttony cries out more, 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 without ever giving thanks for what it has. 
Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 20 says, says, Death and destruction are never filled, and the desires of men's heart are insatiable. Those, those earthly desires, the desires that we have for the things of this world, they will not be satisfied. You can feed it hand over fist, and it will never be satisfied. You will always crave and cry out more, more, more. You see, I am, you are responsible to manage your passions, your appetites, and your desires. This is an internal, personal responsibility to manage my appetites. If I fail to have self-control, which self-control comes because of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, from Galatians chapter 5, at the end of chapter 5, it says where it lists the fruit of the Spirit, then we will surrender ourselves to our appetites. See, gluttony has nothing to do with capacity, but everything to do with want. What do I want? How much of it do I want? The interesting thing is that we were made to want. We were created to feast just on the right things. And isn't it just like the enemy to take that which God created to give us pleasure and enjoyment so that he could bless our lives with it, that he takes that and he twists it and he twists it and when he twists it, he turns it into something sinful. In Matthew chapter 5, in the, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are those. And in verse 6, he said, bl- says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied or filled. There is a blessing that's reserved solely for the hungry and the thirsty. There are things of the Lord that you will not experience, that you will not have fill and satisfy your life if you are not hungry and thirsty because they are reserved solely for those that hunger and thirst for them. Righteousness is only found in Jesus. So to hunger and thirst for righteousness is to hunger and thirst after Jesus. It's to turn your appetite towards him for his presence, for his person, for all that he is and all that he has for my life. And it's in this place of desire. It's in this place of, 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 of craving, of painfully feeling and recognizing my absolute need of Jesus. It's in that place that I'm filled. And listen, it's not just simply, you know, they shall be filled or they shall be satisfied. It's, it's not just about being filled and satisfied, but it's actually about being, being overfilled and oversatisfied because that Greek word means to gorge. It's to have an abundance. It's more than enough. It's too much. It's filled to overcapacity. Kind of sounds like gluttony. But the difference is, is that our appetite is focused in the right place. It's focused on Jesus and who he is and what he has for our lives. Paul speaks to this in, in, in Philippians chapter 3, verses 18 through 20. He says, For there are many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, who live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Paul's writing to the Philippian church and he says, I've told you about these people before and I'm telling you again now and even as I'm writing it, I have tears in my eyes. I am weeping because they are enemies of the cross of Christ. They are rejecting and opposing his way of salvation. He goes on to say, whose fate is destruction, whose God is their belly, their worldly appetite, sensuality and vanity, whose glory is in their shame who focus their mind on earthly and and temporary or temporal things. 
then he says to them, he goes, but we, but we're different. We're different because our citizenship is in heaven. And from there, we eagerly await the coming of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, when we seek to fill our appetites outside of Jesus and what he has for us, our appetites literally become, literally, our appetite, which literally means our bellies, become our God. And we follow our appetites, we follow our desires wherever they lead us, and it doesn't matter where they lead us, as long as we're filling the desire and the appetites, and we're completely unrestrained, we've got no self-control. Gluttony eats thankfulness as a snack and just wants more and more and more. And this leads to destruction because we're no longer pursuing. We're no longer pursuing Jesus, we're no, but we're, we're pursuing our appetite. We're pursuing our desires for the things of this world. But we're different. You're different. I'm different. We're not citizens of this place. He says you're citizens of heaven. You might live here now, but this is not where you're from. You're from there, and your God, your King, your Savior, Jesus Christ, is coming again for you. So don't be so wrapped up in the things of this world, the things that are, are natural and temporary, the things that will one day pass away. He says, hunger, focus, and, and concentrate, and pursue Jesus, because that's where you're from. We are to crave and desire Jesus in our innermost person, our core, our spirit, who we are, because our home is with him. It's not here. Listen, do not make this place your home. We're just passing through. We're but temporary residents. Our life on earth is but a moment. It's but, it's but a minuscule, tiny dot on the pages of eternity. I know it feels long. Life feels long, especially when you have little kids at home. Right? The days, they just feel long. But it's not. This life is short. We overcome gluttony by turning our appetites and desires towards Jesus. Again, it goes back to having personal responsibility to manage my appetite. It's up to you. It's up to me. I can't manage your appetites. I've got a hard enough time managing my own appetites. I have to take personal responsibility for what I desire and what I feed myself. I have to realize that all these natural things around us are not lasting and they will not truly satisfy us. They end. But Jesus does not. Our life with him will go on forever. See, if we are to be thankful people, then we have to put an end to entitlement and gluttony in our lives. Now parents, if you want to have a thankful family, it starts with you. You set the spiritual tone for your family. You are the principal teacher of your children. You are the one that has been tasked by God to raise them in the ways of the Lord. It's no one else's responsibility but yours. It's not the church's responsibility to raise your children in the ways of the Lord. It's not, it's, it's not the church's responsibility to correct your teenagers when they go off the rails. As a parent, it's your responsibility to raise them in the ways of the Lord. You are responsible for their spiritual 
lives. The ministry of the church, all the way from from nursery to preschool to, to the kids' ministry to the student ministries, is to come alongside and to supplement what you are teaching them at home. We walk with you. We, we do life together in the larger context of community. Not just the small individual family, but we come together as multiple families coming together in this larger community. And we walk with Jesus together. It gives another context for it. So we simply supplement what you are already teaching them at home. Do not outsource your children's spiritual lives. If you do, you run into issues, you run into problems. They will look to the other, authority, the other authority figures in their lives for spiritual direction. And you don't want to pass that buck off to whoever is teaching them in school, in high school, to give them the spiritual direction of their life. To whatever friend they make, their best friend, whatever that friend's parents believe. It's my responsibility to raise my kids in the ways in the house of the Lord. This is our commitment to you. That we will walk with you. That we will support you. That we will pour into your children. That we will facilitate atmospheres and and times and places of worship where they, they can encounter God. Where they can encounter the Holy Spirit. In the larger context of this community. I, as a father, I have to put an end to my own entitlement and to my own gluttony. Because if I do not, then my children are just going to inherit that from me. And they don't stand a chance to be genuinely thankful. I want to give you two things that you can do to fight entitlement and gluttony in in your life and, and then as well in your family so that you can foster and model thankfulness in your life and in your family. The first one is delay gratification. Simply put, have self-control. That's what that is. Ask yourself, when you see something you want, do you immediately just go and get it? Or do you wait? Do you just push pause? Sometimes for no reason at all, other than just to pause, just wait, take a moment, take a breath. Are there times when you deny your wants completely? I really want that, but I'm going to say no. Or even for a time. Ask yourself, how's your spiritual discipline of fasting? Because that's delaying gratification. Right. Do, when, you, when you want something, when, you, when you're going to make a purchase, do you save up for it? Or is it just like, I'll just put it on the credit card. Or I'll, I'll just take out a loan. I'll, I'll charge it. I'll, I'll, I'll look after the payments later. See, if you save up for it, that's, that's delaying the gratification. Never forget that your children are always watching. Always watching. They're also always listening. The first time I realized this as a parent, Josiah was like, I don't know, 18 months old. He was young. He talked really early. Really early. And so we were driving, uh, we, were, we were driving through the city, and I still am to this day, I'm a vocal driver. So when I drive, I talk, to, I talk to people. I know that they can't hear me. I don't necessarily talk to the people in the car, but I'm talking to the other traffic, right? Come on in, buddy. There's lots of room here. Like we're going, yes, we are going a half a mile faster than you. Like we're going to get there all, you know. So I always, 
Always. I, I just talk to, to traffic. Uh, and I'm better now because I'm, I'm growing, I'm maturing in my walk with the Lord. I don't say the same things that I used to when Josiah was young. But we were driving through the city and just driving along and nothing's happening. And out of the back seat, 18-month-old Josiah goes, what are you doing, buddy? Get out of the way. And I'm like, and then he's like, do you even know where you're going, dad? I think we're going the wrong way. I'm like, I'm like, bro, you're 18 months old. You can't read. This is the moment that I realized that they are always watching and they are always listening. See, if I don't deal with my own entitlement, if, if I don't exhibit and show self-control, and if I don't delay my own gratification, then I can't expect my kids to do it. They're going to want it, and they're going to want it now, and they're going to want it the way that they want it. And they're going to grow up to believe that they have every right to every desire that they have. Matthew chapter 6 says, don't, Jesus says, don't keep hoarding for yourself earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. Marital wealth eventually rusts, decays, and loses its value. Instead, stockpile heavenly treasures for yourselves that cannot be stolen and will never rust, decay, or lose their value. For your heart will always pursue what you esteem as your treasure. For where your heart is, your treasure will be there too. The life of a follower of Jesus is a life of delayed gratification. It's like we're living for eternity today. But we're not, we're not experiencing the fullness of eternity today. It's de delayed gratification. It's not in the here and now. So delaying our gratification keeps entitlement in check. The second thing you can do is you can serve people. Serving is the example of Jesus to us. In John chapter 13, at the Last Supper, Jesus gets up from the table and he, he wraps servants' cloth around his waist and he gets down on his hands and knees and he begins to wash all the feet of the disciples. And then he says to them, if I, the Lord and teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should do as I did to you. If the king of the universe, if the creator, the one who fashioned and molded your feet got down on his hands and knees and he cleaned them and he washed them. The Savior, the one who takes away the sins of the world, he came to serve and not be served. How much more should we serve? See, serving puts someone else's needs above my own. It gives us perspective. It reminds us that, that we are not the center of the universe. So you have to ask yourself, do I regularly serve people? Whether that's here on a Sunday or midweek or with our food ministry or, or whether it's somewhere else. Whether it's just as a family or, 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 or in another ministry. In other words, do you serve people? Do your children see you serving people? Do they see you prioritizing someone else's needs above yourself? Do you involve them in serving? Do you serve together as a family? Bring the kids along. We can serve together. See, because serving positions us. <laughs> it positions us right here. Down on our knees. Serving the needs of somebody else. Serving positions us. 
It reminds us to be thankful for what we've been given and for our place in this world. Whatever that place is, we can be thankful for our place in this world. Serving keeps gluttony in check. It shows me again and again and again that my calling is to serve and that there is more to this life than having my desires met. It's putting someone's need above my desire and want. The life of a follower of Jesus is a life of serving. Entitlement and gluttony will 100% kill thankfulness faster than you can say Black Friday shopping. It is kind of humorous that Black Friday immediately follows the day we are thankful for everything. Come on, if you've ever been late night Black Friday shopping and seen somebody thrown down on the ground and, and had some, you know, something they're holding ripped out of their hands because someone else saw it first. Glory, it's wild out there. Our yearly celebration of entitlement and gluttony, Black Friday. I'm all about the good deals, don't get me wrong. But we need to delay our gratification. We need to serve people. Because we set the atmosphere of our life and family. We set it. I set it. And we need to set it to be thankful. So keep our entitlement and our gluttony in check. Let me pray. Wow. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would convict us towards righteousness. That you would convict us in the areas where we feel entitled. That you would convict us in the areas where we are struggling with, with, with excess, uh, with gluttony, of, of, of just continually feeding our desires in the wrong direction. Holy Spirit, convict us. I ask that you, you would not leave us, one, as you found us, or two, as we are today but that we would continue to grow and mature. That we would realize that we're not living for this life, but we're living for eternity. And that our life following you is a life of delayed gratification. And that we would realize that we are all called to serve. The greatest among you will be the servant of all. Jesus, we are a work in progress. I know I want to be more thankful. I want us, I want our church to be the most thankful people on the planet. We can't do it on our own. So we're asking, I'm asking that you would come, that you convict us. And then we would walk out our lives in righteousness, becoming more and more like you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.